Hey, what's good, Pine Tar Nation? This is your host, Gonzo, with your co-host, Ricky V. Say what's up. Hey, how's it going, everybody? On this podcast, all we do is talk about baseball. We talk about baseball, and we want you to talk baseball with us. Follow us on Pine Tar Pod on Instagram, and um, give us anything you have that has to do with baseball. Yeah, also, wherever you're listening to this podcast, give us a five-star rating. Obviously, that would be best for us, and any comments and reviews that you may have. Also, um, also when you listen to this podcast, we will really appreciate some input and, you know, we're trying to do everything possible to make this podcast better. Other than that, let's talk some baseball. Let's talk baseball. This past week, we had a couple things happen. I mean, we have we have a good amount of things that are happening, but um, the the one I want to start off with is Tampa Bay is officially in first place. Boston moved down to second, and um, Tampa Bay don't look like they're slowing down. And one thing that I think Boston has going for them is the Chris Sell thing coming that he's coming back. His his rehab uh, they all went well, and um, he's coming back soon. So, do you think Tampa Bay stays on the top, or do you think Boston uh, catches back up? Well, I think that Tampa Bay stays on top. Like, I understand Chris Sale. We all understand who Chris Sale is. The thing is, what Chris Sale is coming, right? We don't, we don't really know. Now, Chris Sale had a really good, really good... Uh, was it 2018, 2019? But ever since that year, you know, he hasn't really been that great. I don't know, maybe because he was hurt. And that's probably why he got hurt, and that's why he's barely coming back now. But let's just say they were getting, like, this this huge bat that was going to play every day. I think that changes this a little bit more. But I don't know how they're going to let him go. I don't know if they're going to... You know, just let him go until, you know, he he, he can't pitch anymore. Or they're going to have some kind of innings limit, which I'm assuming they're going to have. Maybe a pitch limit. But I think it, unless Chris Sell comes back and be, and is that Chris Sell everybody thinks of when we hear his name. Then I don't think things are going to change. But let's just say he does come back and becomes... That Chris Sale that we all know, like those as of now, the fact that we're already a week into August, when he starts and he gives you the performance, you have to win that game. That is an automatic win. You have to win his starts when he performs the way he does. You have to. If you lose any of his good starts, that is a waste of a win, a waste of a performance. And that's when Tampa Bay would just stay on top. And now, obviously, the only thing you have is that if Chris Sale does come back and becomes this ace again, and you don't win the East, at least most likely, 
you know who's going to start for you on the wild card. I mean, if you even get there. But I mean, there's I mean, there's positive negatives. I mean, but at the end of the day, I think Tampa Bay is I don't know. At the end of the day, I think Tampa Bay is just a little bit too much complete, com complete compared to to Boston right now. But that's why I think I think uh, I think Tampa Bay takes the East. What stays on top? Yeah, and I think I think um, with the American League in general, I think it's very um, it's a weird it's a weird league because um, you look at the East, you look at the Central, you look at the West in the American League, and the only other team besides the East that's competing is Oakland in second place. Everyone else is not there to to win anything. So you got you got the division winners. You have Oakland right now because they're in second place pushing for a wildcard spot. And every other team pushing for a wildcard spot is in the East. So a team like Boston that, you know, was in first place for so long and then this past week ended up, you know, going um, winning only two games out of ten out of the last, uh, the last week. So they ended up forfeiting the first place spot. And Tampa Bay took advantage because they're playing good baseball. Um, you know, it, it's in it's 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 in their best. It's in their best. Um, fuck, I lost the word. <sighs> I would just say that it's in their best interest to be in first place by the time the season's over. Chris Hell does help, obviously. I think the offense in Boston, we talked about it, is it's it's up there, so we don't need to worry about that offense. But another team that I wanted you to look at is Toronto. Now, Toronto might seem like they're in fourth place and they're seven games behind Tampa Bay, but they're a team that looks like could make a push to win the division, not just a wild card spot. We we already know what their offense can do. Their offense is top tier. All those, all those young guys over there, and then you add Springer and Samian into that mix, and you add Barrios on the tread deadline, and which had a good game already. He's had a couple good games already. I mean, he I think he lost yesterday, but it still was a good game that he pitched. But um, but I just, I just don't see them staying in fourth place. I see them pushing up, and then you have a team like the Yankees that are only doing good things you know moving forward i know um you mentioned to me earlier that anthony rizzo uh tested positive for covid you know he's probably going to be out for about 10 15 days but you know the dynamic of the yankees changed when trades like these happen and i think that's when they start making pushes too so this east is going to be very um very entertaining to watch especially if um toronto and the yankees start doing what they're supposed to do and Tampa Bay and Boston don't slow down. Somebody has to lose. I'll tell you that. Somebody has to lose, so it's going to be entertaining. Well, yeah, that's that's what I mentioned before, that um, there's a lot of teams going for... Let me put it this way. We have the Central. Nobody's going to win it from the Central other than the White Sox winning the division. Obviously, somebody needs to win the East. Somebody needs to win the West. That's two teams right there, right? From there... You have one, two, three, four teams. And right now, those four teams are Boston, Oakland, the New York Yankees, and Toronto. 
Now, you could add Seattle in there if you want to. I mean, they are in the bottom. But they're, I mean, as of right now, I'm looking at the standings right now, and they're only five and a half games back from the wild card, so I wouldn't count them out just yet. If they do make it, it's because they made a huge, huge run. You know, that all of a sudden they're winning eight games here, they lose two. They win seven games here, they lose two. You know, like, they, they, they go on a pretty good run. Could they do it? Probably. But, you know, Toronto... Toronto looks like they're they're hitting this stride as of now. The New York Yankees have won five games in a row. Oakland has been up there this whole time. Obviously, Boston just pretty much got out of first. The crazy thing is, is that, like I said, out of those four or five teams, three of them are going to get eliminated. If, 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 the, if the season ended today, the Yankees, Toronto, and Seattle would be eliminated right now. And we'll be seeing a wild card game of Boston and Oakland. So, four teams for sure are really good. I mean, like I said, we still got about a month and a half, a little bit more than a month and a half. And, you know, Oakland is only three games behind Houston in the West. Boston is only about two games back of, of, the, of the East. Like I said, New York Yankees and Toronto are doing better. And they're just going to push it even more. Like I said, when it comes to September, like, like all these teams are going to be playing against each other. So this, to me, seems like it's going to be very, very exciting. As this, I think this, the way this tread deadline was, like one of the best tread deadlines that ever was, pretty much. Like, I think this September is going to be as equally as exciting because... I mean, we're not we're not even talking about the National League yet, but just the American League wild card is going to be crazy because all of a sudden you could be in first place, and then a week later you're number two in the in the wild card because some other team has a better record than you. Like these records are so close to each other that it gets to the point where like if you get out of first place two games two days later you don't even make the playoffs. So it's it's it's. It's going to go down to the wire, I think, to the point where, I don't know if you remember, um, that teams start getting eliminated the last week of September. And all of a sudden, there's like four teams in. Like, this person has to win. This person has to lose. This person has to win. This person has to lose. In order for one team to even make it. Like, I think that's what it's going to come down to. And honestly, I think, I think of all the teams... I, I think I'm going to have to get on your boat and say that Toronto is going to do something big. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to win the World Series. I'm not going to say that that's the team, the favorite. I'm just saying, like, considering they're kind of towards the bottom, I think they come back and, like, just grind it out and just play their hearts out, and I think they make it. I think they make it, and I think they're, they won't really, I don't, want, I don't want to say surprise somebody, but I just think Toronto's going to come out this last month and a half and show everybody how good they really are, and I think, and I think they do big things. Well, they're going to have to do big things because they're one of the teams that are furthest behind 
from all the other wild well yeah there's there's only three games back though they're only three games back of the second (laughs) second spot so that's what i'm saying like everything is so close yeah so so how we mentioned the east is tight the central there's no there's no competition there white Sox got it and um, like you mentioned, you mentioned Seattle. I really don't believe Seattle's going to do anything. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I think they're going to fall The only off. thing I see is that they're only five and a half games back. I mean, technically they're in it, but yeah. it's just I don't think they I don't think they compete with the rest of the guys up there. So yeah, I don't I don't think so. So before we leave the American League, because like I said, it, we we kind of mentioned everything that's going on in the American League because it's all going on in the East. That's that's literally what's happening. It's all going on in the East. And it, it's uh, so it's a little hard to um, to give some of these teams kudos because you look at a team like the Twins and they're in last place. Like it's just it's sad to see that because they were a team that was supposed to be pretty powerful. weren't you weren't but, you the hey, one that predicted that the Twins were going to win the Central? Hell no! Nah. I predicted the White Sox <laughs> to win to go to the World Series. As a matter of fact, yeah, no, it was me. They let me down so hard. Oh, yeah. it was you. Yeah, I don't oh. know what happened, but yeah, um, no. That's a store for another day because I don't I don't know I, I think I think well I will mention one problem and um, you know we'll, we'll go from there but I think the fact that you know they traded for Kenta Maeda right and at the end of the day he was their he was their go-to guy last year in 2020 right he pitched he pitched good he pitched good it, you know we'll give him that. But the fact that you think he was going to repeat that in 2021, I think was a mistake. And and here they are. When you say you, who are you talking I'm about? Twins. I, I, oh. I figured you you would get that, but no. I'm, when I say you, I mean the Twins. But yeah, I, I think that was that was a mistake. So I don't think they had an ace other than Burials. But their offense, that that. 300 home runs a year offense disappeared it's it, it, it died it died out and here they are uh, now i don't know what what their next move is i mean they already traded burials but you know maybe their run is over maybe they're um maybe they're i don't know i don't know what's next for the twins i guess we'll find out this offseason yeah they're gonna have to uh make something happen but um but another team that's actually been doing okay not that they're gonna make a push for the playoffs but uh detroit and i don't want to get in too much into detroit but i do want to say that miggy hit one more so he's at 498 yes i saw that too I, so, as a matter of um, fact i have a you know i have the app mlb at bat and you know i'm not gonna just sit here and watch every detroit game like i ain't not gonna do that so what I did is that I put notifications for Detroit when they play the start of game and like the score changes, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I know when he hits a home run, I just I just get the notification. Now, as soon as he gets to 499 and I see game start, like I'm I'm like on call to see his at bat pretty much. So. Even if it's like, let's say they play today, let's just say in first at bat he is number four hundred ninety nine. Like from there, like I'm on call to make sure I see his at bat to get number five hundred. It might take a week. I don't know. So 
But yeah, I really, I really don't want to miss it. I want to see it live. I don't want to see a replay. Got you, got you. So with that final note on the American League, um, leaving on a good note, uh, we move over to the other East, this time in the National League, because we have a new team yes, in first yes. place. Yes, I saw that. I was like, oh my God, here we go. And we said it, right? We said it. Somebody needed to, somebody needed to say, you know what? This is mine. And here we are, Philadelphia, seven games in a row, leader of the American League East. What you think? You know, um, the Phillies have the pieces needed to win, and I don't know what is taking them so long to put everything together to have an okay season because what they're doing is is a mediocre season with a good team. So I don't know what's taking some of these teams too long. Is it because of COVID last year? Is it because they didn't have a full season? Maybe their their workout regimen during the offseason wasn't the same. Whatever the case is, a lot of these teams are, are holding back. They're, they're falling behind, and they're not competing the, the way they're supposed to because – if you look at the Phillies lineup, their their rotation, their bullpen, they're they're pretty solid. They're a solid team to be showing that this type of Phillies uh, game is what they're about, you know. So so seeing them in first place is not a surprise. Um, the Mets, you know, they're they're I don't know. The Mets actually just got a a couple players back, and and they're they've been doing this all season. Remember this. This is not new. The Mets have been playing really bad baseball all season. But for some reason, everyone else in the East was playing bad baseball as well. The there, so I'm therefore, it looked, yeah, it, it looked like the Mets were good because they were in first place. But not because not because they were actually playing good baseball. Know, so great. Yeah, it wasn't because they were so great. It's because everybody else was so bad. So now with Philadelphia taking advantage... And don't be surprised, but Atlanta is only a half a game behind the Mets in second place. So the Met, now the Mets gave an opportunity for the Phillies, and they give an opportunity for the Braves to say, hey, I feel like playing baseball now. And I, <laughs> don't be surprised if the Mets end up in third, fourth place. Uh, no, third. I say third. I, I, don't be surprised if they finish up in third place. Well, you know, one of the... You know, usually this person has a spotlight on them, but somebody's having a pretty good sneaky season, and that's Bryce Harper. And it's weird that I say sneaky because everybody knows Bryce Harper. And now that, you know, the Phillies reloaded, they got a closer and a pitcher, right? They, they, their offense has been okay pretty much this whole season. Now they're coming in. They win seven games in a row. The New York Mets have some injury problems all season. Uh, we've always said, and I always said, that their starting pitching has always been an injury-prone you know, starting rotation, and that's been the case this year. Um, DeGrom, we don't know when he's coming back. We don't know if he's going to come back. You know, it got to the point where even if he does come back, like, and let's just say he continues how he was, like, does he even win the Cy Young? Because he's been hurt how many times this whole year already? 
you know, as amazing as a pitcher that he is, I wonder if he even qualifies for like the ERR title and all that kind of stuff. That's how long he's been out. You know, and it gets to a point where like he, they kind of like, man, DeGrom was having a good season, but it's time to look past him and like, let, let's see who else can win this, um, this uh, Cy Young Award. Obviously, he was a favorite since the game thing since his first start, but now we have the Phillies taking over the East. The Atlanta has been playing a little better. They finally got over 500 and actually one game above 500. I mean, that's how it starts, right? And they're only two games behind the Phillies. Like it's still the East is still open, but it just looks to me that the Phillies, at I'm not saying they're gonna win every game from now on. But like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I said, you know, all you got to do is just win eight games and then like lose one or two. Then you win another five, six, and you lose a game or two. You know, that's that's how you start, you know, getting 10 games above 500, 15 games above 500. Like you just got to be, obviously, you just have to win more than you lose, right? But Atlanta, I think at the end of the day, um, I don't think he's going to have what it takes to catch up to the Phillies. I don't think the Mets have what it takes. I mean, I know they got Javier Baez, and unless Javier Baez and Lindor go out there and become beasts like we all know they are, I just don't see it happening. Then they also have, I don't know, I think the Phillies, the fact that, I don't know, I think the fact that they got Gibson makes a big big difference that I, I think i do believe it gives them three guys right three guys that can go out there and become this this good trio and that's what you need have you noticed i don't know if you noticed that every single very good team right very good team that's close to like 60 plus wins if you look at their starting rotation you see three guys that can go out there minimum right obviously we got some teams that could do four but three teams that for sure sorry three guys that for sure that will give you the chance to win and that's what the Phillies have now yeah I I like that um I think the Phillies have the best chance at this moment so now remember earlier in the season we talked about how it's the Mets division to lose because everyone's doing so bad and they're losing it now as the Phillies turn now as the Phillies division to lose and um, I mean to say that the Mets don't have enough I think they do in the sense that um, it, it, it depends right because remember Taiwan Walker was one of those pitchers that that dominated in the first half can he keep that up because we know that Taiwan Walker has had some difficulty you know, being consistent in in a whole season for a, for a team. So, can Taiwan Walker continue that for the second half? They have Stroman that can perform uh, through a whole season. They picked up Rich Hill from the Rays. Remember that. That's just a veteran arm that can you know dominate for you and and keep you in games. And then remember, Carlos Carrasco just came back. So they're building him up to to eventually pitch. You know his his normal his normal game. You know six seven innings, um, and and go from there. But if Carlos Carrasco could come back, you know that's something that's gonna help him out a lot. And you know the pitching is on the side note, right? 
like you said, if the offense could hold it together and, and do what they have to do, if the pitching gets it together on Carlos Carrasco's side, and and uh, like I said, Tywin Walker continues to do okay, you know, they'll be okay. I think they'll continue to uh, pursue that first place spot. But until then, um, we gotta wait and see what happens with the with with the rest of that team. But they haven't shown it. They haven't shown it all year that they can be consistent enough to uh, to 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 make to become a first place team and to keep it. So the Phillies are. Uh, they definitely show that. Yeah. So, you know, you also, if you look, if you look in the National League wild card, right? Um, you know, you still got the three monsters in the West, and obviously, two of them are have been the leader this whole time, pretty much, in the both wild card spots. This obviously, you know, obviously, everybody in baseball predicts that. You know, Giants, Dodger, Padres, some type of combo is going to be, you know, the leaders of the wild card. What two teams we really don't know yet. But there is one sneaky team that's coming up and can change all that. The Cincinnati Reds. They have been playing some really good baseball. Luis Castillo looks like he finally found it. Joey Votto, I don't know what he did, but he said it himself. Like, I'm trying to hit a home run, and he's hitting home runs. I i don't know. I guess I guess that's the way it works now. And they're only two and a half games back behind the Padres for that second spot. I mean, you also have, you know, Milwaukee. So they're, they're you know, Milwaukee's still doing their thing. They're, they're, they're still doing good baseball. They're, they're six games behind. Milwaukee, but the fact that the Reds are two and a half games back at a, from San Diego says a lot. It says a lot. And at this point, with San Diego losing Tatis, and obviously he's rehabbing right now for the third time this season again, and obviously there was a little bit of talk, just a little bit, that it's that shoulder still, right? The, the same shoulder that we've been that we've been talking about all season. And the fact that there is a possibility that San Diego could be eliminated after everybody predicted San Diego to be the best team in baseball. It's it's crazy. It's crazy talk, right? Because Cincinnati was nowhere near anybody's radar. Even though, even though obviously they they made it to the playoffs last year, but then you know at that point they had the Cy Young guy Trevor Bauer. Now, obviously we like I said that you know everybody thinks it's still going to be the Padres and Dodgers, but if Cincinnati comes in and takes this wild card spot and let's just say eliminates somebody from the west because we really don't know still but as of right now it's the Padres and eliminates the Padres what kind of upset is that the fact that the Padres are not going to be in the playoffs and the Reds are like what kind of upset is that okay um the way I look at it is a little different now 
I can answer the question of what kind of upset that would be, but it's not going to happen. The Reds, and I'm, I'll put me on record right now, the Reds are not going to upset the Padres. The Padres will win a wild card spot, and the Reds will not, unless they take the division, they will not. Um, they're not going to take the, first of all, they're not going to take the division. I'm going to take that back. They're not going to win the division from the Brewers, and they're not going to take a wild card spot. Are they going to be close for a bit? Maybe. But to say that their team is a lot better than San Diego, and I get it. You can you can make a run and, and make it seem like, okay, that you know, they're making a push. But the problem is, is that if you look at their overall team, yes, they picked up bullpen pieces, and, and that's something that every team would, would need to, to be able to compete for a, a, a playoff spot. But... I just don't see their their starting pitching holding up and and their offense. Think about their offense. They have a lot of good hitters on that team, but for me to believe that they're going to perform at this high a level for the rest of the season, and then to believe that the Padres won't get it together in, in the sense of being consistent enough the rest of the season to to lose a wild card spot, I just don't see that happening. I think the the Padres are too good of a team. Their offense, even without Tatis at the moment, they're they're a better team than the Reds. They they have better pitching than the than the Reds. There's no, I don't think there's any way that they catch them up, even though it seems like they are. Well, so do I, right? I think, I think the Padres are technically, on paper, on the field, like better. But at the end of the day, baseball needs to be played, right? And maybe it's the hot streak, the Cincinnati. Maybe they go back down to earth, right? Maybe about two weeks from now and all of a sudden, like, oh, you know, it was a good run, right? Like I said, we still got some baseball left. Once it hits, once it hits September, like, I think, I think a lot of, a lot of teams start eliminating themselves. I think we start to see, okay, you know, this is that, this is this. And we start seeing the schedule of like, okay, this team is going to play this team um, for four games and this team for three games. And, and you know, these are must-win games. And those that this team needs to lose, this team needs to win kind of thing. But the fact that Cincinnati is up there, it's just, it's overall, it's just good for Cincinnati. You know, everybody thought, you know, they were going downhill. Everybody thought Joey Votto was going downhill. You know, but at the end of the day, like, you know, they're they're playing good baseball right now. Period. And they're probably as hot as Philadelphia. The only problem is they have, you know, they have uh, the Milwaukee Brewers happens to be in the same division. I mean, if you look at the record, they, they have a better record or the almost the same amount of record as the Philadelphia Phillies right now. So, you know, unfortunately to them, they have the three-headed monsters, three-headed monster of Milwaukee on top of them. I just, all that I'm saying is keep an eye out for Cincinnati. I think San Diego needs to understand that there's somebody right behind them now, not the fact that before it was like, they're just looking up. San Diego, the, the point is, San Diego was looking up this whole time, either to the Dodgers or the Giants, right? And now 
they got to understand, like, wait a minute. You need to pay attention to what's behind you real quick. Because if you don't, next thing you know, you're going to be looking up the four teams. And then you're going to be on the couch in October. Yeah, they're trying to get too comfortable. Yes. <clears throat> so, so with that being said, it, it's weird how... <laughs> it's a little weird. It's a little weird to me. Now, the National League... I think the favorite um, favorite division to watch, I think for me, is the East. Just because they're so bad and anything could happen, right? Uh, the Central, the Reds are fun to watch, but Milwaukee pretty much has that, I think. And then the West, um, San Francisco is continuing to show that they are good enough. Now, I don't even think I should be saying that anymore. I think you should, we should just say San Francisco's in first place. They're doing what they're doing. Like, because for us to say that they're continuing to show, like, I think they I think they had enough time to show that they're 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 here, you know? So San Francisco is first team to 70. They still have the best record in MLB. They have the Dodgers in second and San Diego in third. The Rockies in Arizona are making a push. Uh, Colorado has three games one in a row. They're trying to win that division. Uh, let's see how it goes for the rest of the season for them. Um <clears throat> And um, you know, it kind of it kind of ended up happening where where now the division in the East is important, and the West, like you said, Cincinnati has a shot, and they feel that they have a shot to compete for that second wildcard spot. But you you know you always you always say it you always talk about how can Cincinnati compete with one of these teams that are, are in the um, Let's say, for example, the West, like the Giants. Can Cincinnati compete with the Giants in a three-game series or a five-game series? Um, that's, I don't want to say that's a, um easy question to ask because once you get to the playoffs, somebody's offense could explode, right? Or, or somebody's pitching staff could just all of a sudden have like three phenomenal games in a row. You know, we really don't know. But if I have to pick somebody, like, at the end of the day, I think I'm picking the Giants. Because, like I said, well, like I said earlier, <clears throat> every good team has three guys that you can rely on that's going to give you at least a quality start. And that's all you can really ask for from your starter, right? Anything better than that, then, hey, that's even better, right? But you got Guzman. Uh, Desclafani, right? I didn't say that right. And Alex Wood, that can go out there and keep you in the game because that's all you can do. That's all you can ask for from your starter. And, and Cueto, Cueto, right. and, you know, and, and Cueto. Obviously, if, if it's a if it's a ten game season, then you will see him. But I think the overall offense of the Giants, it's better. Overall, because right now it just seems like Joy Votto is doing everything. Yes, they got some other guys that can do some damage and stuff, but I think I think the lineup for Cincinnati is not as deep as the Giants, and that goes a long way, especially for the starter from the op opposing team, right? Because let's just say that um, you got you got uh, Guzman able to hold Joey Votto in place, it almost seems like you're also killing the offense of Cincinnati, right? 
But if you yeah. try to just contain Buster Posey, well, that's not good enough. You still have Crawford. You still have Belt. You know, you have you have a couple other guys, and then you and let's not forget about Chris Bryant. So like the offense is just deeper, and I think that's why. Um, I think I will take the Giants over Cincinnati. I will take the Dodgers over Cincinnati. I think in reality, I think I will take um, Padres over Cincinnati. Um, but you never know. On paper, everybody's better in Cincinnati. Well, not everybody, but the teams that I mentioned. But the game needs to be played. And maybe, like I said, Luis Castillo looks like he's like like he's finding it. Like he's just getting better and better. And then all of a sudden, come playoff time, here goes um, Cincinnati versus Giants' first game, and Cincinnati wins because Luis Castillo pitches out pitches Guzman. Like we really don't know. But um, but yeah, no. Um, I think I think like I think you're right. I think watching the East is gonna be pretty fun, unless. Unless, like, let's just say Philadelphia goes on this big run, and then it gets to the point where, like, like Philadelphia got it already, right? Like, that's 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 done. Like, kind of like how the Central is over there in the, in the American League side when the White Sox pretty much took it already. If it becomes to that point where it's just like, okay, there's nothing to watch in the East already. We just, we're, we're waiting for that one team to make the move, like we said, and there it is, the Philadelphia took it. In that case, all the fun goes down to the National League West still where the Dodgers are finally healthy right I I think so um they have everybody back Corey Seager's back Mookie Betts is back Trey Turner finally played his first game yesterday yesterday um you know they have Walker Buehler they have Max Scherzer they have Julio Urias Obviously, Kershaw is down. They're saying he might come back sometime in September. I think him and him and Degrom are still in the same boat. They, we do, really don't know where they're at or how they're feeling or what it exactly is the problem. Um, but it's pretty much gotten to a point where you know I've, I've read a lot of sources that the Dodgers are this good, but yet. It almost seems like the Dodgers haven't really hit their stride. And I just think it's got to a point where I think they they uh there is no more I don't want to say excuse. But if the Dodgers are going to be that team that everybody predicted to be the best team in baseball, now is the time to show it. You have everybody. At the end of the day, your office is based off you know, you have good star quality starters. At the end of the day, you have to go up there and bat. And there is no more excuse. If you are the team, the best team in baseball, you have the rest of the year to show it. And I know it's weird that I'm saying this, right? Because at the end of the day, the Dodgers have a, the best run differential in baseball, which is weird to say. It's really weird to say that they have what top three best record in baseball and yet according to some sources articles i have read like it just seems like the dodgers have never hit a good stride and that's a little weird 
And I think that's a little scary for the rest of the MLB. Because the fact that they're up there as one of the best teams in the baseball. And they haven't hit their stride. That's weird to me. But that should be also be scary to everybody else. Because they do hit that stride. Like what's, what's the ceiling, you know? And that's why I think um, the West is going to be very interesting because now you're going to have the Giants and Dodgers going at it with the Padres right there too. Like I said, one of the best three teams in baseball are in the same division and two of them are going to fight for one that one spot. Okay, now let me give you this scenario, right? And um, see what your take on is on, on is on it. This is because the West... Is, this is this is funny, but I don't know the way you see it. The West is going to eliminate themselves. Now, this is obviously regarding the Milwaukee because Milwaukee has a lot to do with it too. Now, obviously on this scenario, Milwaukee does not have the best record in baseball. Let's just give it to somebody from the West, right? If somebody from the West has the best record in baseball, the best record in baseball automatically plays the wildcard team. Now, for instance, as of now, the Giants have the best record in baseball. They got 70 wins last night. First team to 70. That leaves the Dodgers and the Padres to play one game elimination. But since the Giants have the best record in baseball, they play the winner of that wild card. So now you just eliminated one team from the West that leaves Central versus the East in the first division around. And you got West versus West in the first division around. So by the time you get to championship series, another team is going to be eliminated from the West. Then you get to championship series. Now you got the winner from the East and the Central versus the last team remaining from the West. Do you get what I mean? So that's what I mean about the West is going to eliminate themselves. Obviously, like I said, it all counts to the West having the best record in baseball. But if let's just say for some for some reason that the Milwaukee goes on a run and then they get the you know the first the highest record in, in, in the National League, then they'll play somebody from the wild card team. And now it'll be um, the West winner versus the East winner. And, but at the end of the day, still, if it comes out that way, you have the two teams from the National League West going at it to eliminate themselves in the one-game elimination. So what do you think? What do I think? You already <laughs> mentioned everything. <laughs> All right, so... So, uh, moving on, I have, um, I have a subject I wanted to talk about. Um, and then uh, we'll move on from that. But the subject is uh, the closer situation. Now, with with um, with this era of baseball, we have we have Moneyball era. Everyone's playing the Moneyball era. We're talking about the Rays being at the helm of of this Moneyball era of being able to put your position players. And put your pitching staff in the best possible position to 
to better themselves individually, but also help the team as a whole because you're getting put in the spot that you need to be in to succeed the most, right? So, so the Rays are really good at doing something like that. And, you know, you see a lot of more, well, you see a lot more lineups with, um, with, uh, platoon players, you know, they have righties against lefties and things like that. And, and it's obvious, it's very obvious that, that the stats are in favor of these players being in these situations. And that's why the shifts happen so dramatically because if a player is playing a certain position more than likely the high, there's a higher percentage of of a player of the hitter getting uh, out because of the defensive switch so with that being said the the, the subject that i want to talk about is a closer position now if you go through a whole baseball game from inning one to inning eight eight you know the whole game is played in a money ball type of of uh, environment right you you start your starter and as soon as they get in trouble as soon as you feel some type of, of of struggle the next pitcher coming in is a pitcher that can dominate the 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 next three batters in that lineup either if it's a righty or a lefty and that's the way they go about it right the majority of the time that's how they go about it and i'm not saying every team does this but um it's mostly what everyone's kind of pushing towards now when it gets to the ninth inning and this is something that i kind of um i've been uh, i've been struggling with a lot lately is why is it that in the ninth inning the closer and the team using this say closer they don't play by these rules of money ball why play money ball the whole game and when you bring in your closer you stop playing money ball so let me give you an example. If you bring in your closer and there is two righties and a lefty up to bat, right? The first three batters, two righties and a lefty. And your closer is a righty. He comes in, he gets a ground out. The next batter, a righty. He, hits, uh, he gets a walk. And then the next batter, a lefty, hits a double, right? Now, I, I, if you notice, I didn't give you no score. I didn't give you a score. I didn't say it was 5-3, nothing like that. Why? Because a closer's job is to close the game and to finish the game without having any damage. Now, obviously, this is baseball. You don't know what could happen, but that's the whole point. Is if you go through the first three batters and two batters are on base and the next batter's a lefty, what would you do? As a team, as an organization, running your baseball team on percentages, why is it that your closer still pitching in the ninth inning after those three first three batters, and you allow two of those to get on, so you failed at your job, you failed at that percentage that you are the best pitcher on your pitching staff in the bullpen, so why isn't it that another pitcher, understanding that the fourth batter is a lefty, why not have a lefty up ready to go in that situation when the percentage is higher that that lefty can get that lefty out? Some may say that being the closer takes somebody special, I guess, to a certain point. You know, not, not everybody can close. That's what they say. 
right? I I've never experienced being a closer. I don't know what it feels like to be a closer, uh, other than on this podcast, right? And you know they have this um, supposedly, you know, according to what people say, right? And ex closers say, and you know, obviously I've read interviews of of uh, Eric Gagne and John Smoltz, um, you know. Um, Mario Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, they all say kind of something that they all feel relaxed, composed, angry. I don't give a, you know, like I don't give a shit attitude. Execution is on cue. Like, they feel so many different things, but yet they don't feel nothing at all. That's what they say, right? Because, like I said, I've I've never experienced this before. I don't know what they mean. Now, I don't know what that means, really. I think it means, like, to be a closer, not only do you have to be a good pitcher, right? Like, you got to have good stuff. You got to have lights-out stuff. But I think that the fact that if you are not built and experienced to take on a pitcher situation, that even though you're up, let's say, five to two, you're up three runs. If you cannot handle doing your job at that moment in time, you will fail. Obviously, you know, it has happened, even to the great ones, right? Uh, game 7, 2001, Mariano Robles the saves, and the Arizona Diamondbacks won the World Series. Obviously, we all consider Mariano to be the best closer of all time. He has failed. But, I think in order to be a closer, it's not about is lefties coming up, is righties coming up, what are the numbers I think is more than that I think you have to find an individual with you know with the symptoms that I gave you and I think that's what it is but well pretty much you want to find somebody that can get everybody out not just not just lefties or righties right that's obviously that's key But there has been signs and there has been, and I saw it last year, right? We all saw it last year where, you know, I think it's going to get to the point where you don't have one closer. I think you're going to have a couple of them. Or even just like two closers where you have a righty closer and a lefty closer, depending on who's coming up next, right? Depending on the lineup. You know, and the reason I say that is because in the World Series, we saw the Rays and Dodgers, and they kind of lead the way in these type of categories, thinking of something first. Now, having having a closer like somebody like Eric Gagne or somebody like Myron Rivera or somebody like Trevor Hoffman, you know, Tim Raines, like all these guys... These guys were great. 
right? These guys came in and they closed it out. That was your go-to guy. He's technically your best bullpen piece available, your best pitcher out of the bullpen, the guy that can go in there and just shut it down. And I kind of agree with you. Like, why aren't they playing Moneyball? Because sometimes I think about it, right? You're watching a baseball game and you see this, this die-hard situation where it's like, man, like we need to it's loaded bases in the seventh inning with no outs. Like, why not bring in your best pitcher at that moment in time? Especially with the with the three batter minimum. It's like, why not bring in your best piece at that situation? Why save him until the ninth inning when nobody's on base and you're up by three runs, right? And I just think having a closer is something that has been going on for so many years but i think you're right like you see it and like you have three lefties coming up but yet you're bringing in your righty closer like why not bring in the lefty like that's true but i just think i don't think baseball has reached that i don't think sorry i'm not baseball i don't think moneyball has reached that far yet i don't think it's gotten there yet i think it's going there i don't know how long it's gonna take but i don't think it has gotten there yet not yet. I think that's something that. I think that's something that. How can I put it? It's hard to explain as manager, right? Because let's say you do do this and you don't bring in your closing and you go off stats and he blows it and then he blows it again and they're like, hey, why? How come you're not bringing in your closer, your closer, your closer? And all of a sudden you bring your closer and he closes it out and then all of a sudden he has a good season. Like, like, it's hard to deviate from that if the closer is doing his job at the end of the day. I think that's what it is. If the closer is doing his job, why stop that trend? Why stop the closer role for one individual? Why give it to three or four guys? Remember, remember, it's not about taking the closer role and turning it into money ball. I'm, what I'm saying is, if I give you the scenario I gave you is, two of the batters got on base why not be ready with someone else it's fine to have a closer i think that's i think that's the way to go for a whole season right because we're not talking about the playoffs we're talking about a full season in the playoffs yes i think they're going to be able to move things around a little better but what i'm talking about is if a closer comes in and allows two of the three runners to come on base when you have a lead of one run or two runs and you have a lefty coming up for your fourth batter, why not be ready with the lefty in the bullpen? That's my question. I understand the closer role, and I think the closer role is important, but I just don't understand why they're not ready if something bad does happen. Right, and I agree with you with That's that. That's my question. I do agree. And the reason I say this is because we saw it last year. We saw it in the 2020 World Series games. We saw it from the Rays, and we saw it from the Dodgers. We saw it from both. Everybody knows that the Dodgers have Kenley Jensen. And we can go back and see how many games he actually closed that whole playoffs. How many how many other guys closed it out? How many how they managed how both teams managed the bullpen is the reason I think they both made it to the World Series. Right? And and I'm going to give you one scenario um now, I'm going to speak about the Dodgers bullpen for a little bit because everybody knows that Kenley Jensen has been a good closer for a long time and he's been struggling. And then, yet, you know, he's been inconsistent. Let me put it that way, inconsistent. Even though he had an all-star first half. 
The Dodgers' best bullpen piece is Blake Trainin. Blake Trainin. But yeah, he's not their closer. Kellen Jensen technically is their closer, right? But the thing is, is that Blake Trinan is not their setup guy either. I have noticed that they use him when there's a dire situation. And he's their best bullpen piece. His ERA close to zero, literally 2.00 is close to that. Obviously, the Dodgers know something. Now, let's switch over to the American League East to the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Rays. Who is the closer for the Tampa Bay Rays right now? You never know with that team. It's exactly my point. Obviously, they know something. Obviously, they're trying something out. Obviously, they have a lot of good bullpen arms. But I'm just saying, I think the fact that the closer row is still good right now and there's a lot of closers out there, I think you die by the best, pretty much. You live and die by the best. And if you lose, like we lost, we had our best pitcher out there and he gave up the runs and we lost, you know, we're, you know we'll move on from this. But when you have pieces that can do different things, like I said, eventually I think teams will have two to three closers, a righty and the lefty. Depending on who's coming up is the one that's going to close. And I just think that's, I don't, I just don't think it's there yet, but I do think it's coming. And I think there's some teams out there that are already kind of getting ahead of that curve and seeing the results and going from there. Like I said, there are guys out there that can get anybody out and everybody wants that guy, obviously, right? Regardless if he's a closer or not. You want somebody that can get everybody out. Righty, lefties, doesn't matter. But I do think I do think it's um, I do think it's coming. How soon? I do not know. But I do think it's coming. Alright, and we'll see. We'll see um, we'll see if it comes sooner or later. Um, this is the kind of uh, situation where we would like to have you guys' input. On Instagram let us know what you guys think about that closer situation and um, and this is our time to bring in our closer and hopefully he doesn't fuck it up but um, this is where we can bring in the righty mm-hmm where's my theme song I thought you were gonna sing it again nah I got bad um, feedback <laughs> well anyways um, you know ever since last week I um this is probably going to be one of the hardest ones to do because everybody that knows baseball everybody knows that number 24 it's widespread by a tremendous amount of good players a lot of good players for the fact that I have to pick one of them makes it very hard so I have actually have a I have a long list as a matter of fact I have a long list of players that that wore number 24 and you're gonna be like holy crap all these guys wore number 24 yes it's a lot of them so I don't want to leave anybody out 
obviously we do have somebody's gonna represent Pintar Nation on Instagram for episode 24 but I'm gonna name a bunch of these guys all right number one I'm gonna name is Manny Ramirez he wore number 24 obviously with the Dodgers he wore number 99 but who doesn't know Manny being Manny right we got Robinson Cano also wore number 24 um, obviously he's been suspended for steroids but at the end of the day like who doesn't know Robinson Cano we have the starting pitcher early win phenomenal pitcher a crap load of complete games then we have Mr. 500 to be soon. Miguel Cabrera also wears number 24. Obviously, the kid, King Griffey Jr., wore number 24. We also have, obviously, um, um, how can I put it? Barry Bonds also wore number 24. Obviously, that um, we all know his situation. Um, also, one of the greatest of all time, Ricky Henderson, wore number 24. Which brings me to the guy that I think represents number 24 the best, in my opinion. Obviously, Ricky Henderson, Griffey Jr., very high up there. But, this week, to represent... Pine Tarnation for episode 24 is Willie Mays. And the fact that all these guys that I just mentioned will say at the end of the day, Willie Mays is number 24. You know, the fact that a lot of people don't understand that the reason why a lot of these African American players were number 24 because if you flip the numbers, it's number 42, right? For Jackie Robinson. And for Willie Mays is one of the reasons. And you know, he played in the major leagues for 22 seasons, and he could it could have been 23, but at the age of 22, he joined the military for one year. So let's thank him for that. He won 11 Gold Gloves, right? Everybody remembers that uh, that um, what the backwards basket catch that he did. So that's always in highlights. Um, two MVPs and was All Star 18 times. He won the World Series, obviously. And uh, obviously, first ballot Hall of Fame gathered almost 95% of the vote. I mean, who wouldn't? Who? The, my question is, who didn't vote? Like, why wasn't this guy 100%? Is what I don't get. Um, he had 3,283 hits with 660 home runs. I mean, do I really need to say more? And at the end of the day, you know, we have the legend Willie Mays to thank. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people will thank him. Um, thank you, Willie Mays, for representing Pine Tar Nation for episode 24. Other than that, see you next week.